Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Take the Hit with Official Charts, a podcast about music that goes way beyond your standard music interview and asks the questions you never knew you needed answers to. My name's Rob, I'm editor of officialcharts.com, a website full of music news, features and interviews, as well as the official singles and albums charts, as heard on BBC Radio 1. Joining me today from the team is David. Hello. Hi David, how are you? I am very good, thank you. Thank you for joining us again on this podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Rob. Yeah, you made it You made it back. I'm back <laughs> for another... <laughs> for another go. Yeah. This week's guest is Freya Ridings. Amazing. And she has a hugely successful ballad. Called yes. Lost Without You. Oh, God, yeah, I definitely know that one. <laughs> um, it, it, well, it became popular through Love Island, which I don't watch. So, David, That's, I believe you why don't it. Why don't you watch it, Rob? I, Do you actually go out in the summer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually enjoy the sun. Wow. No, I, I don't like um, watching relationship drama. It doesn't, it doesn't interest me, but I totally understand that it is interesting and fun to watch. I just doesn't really... I don't really get it. See, I don't know whether it's because I have my own drama myself, but I like quite. I like <laughs> that's watching a different it. Podcast, yeah, it? that's a different podcast. Um, so I used to be the same thing. Like I'm not watching Love Island. Like it's summer. I'm I'm going to be out living my life. Yeah. Next thing, I'm sat on the sofa every single night with my housemate with one of those bottles that's got my name written on it. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah. So I'm re- really aware of the tracks. track. It must no, no, not that far. It'd be a strange house. Um, but so I'm really, really aware of the track because yeah. it was a big moment in <laughs> in last year's in the show. Yeah, huge. I, not even being a fan of the show, I was even aware of this song on the show because I watched that bit on YouTube. Yeah, so I could kind of even though I didn't like the show, I still knew that song from the show. But how many times does that happen? That doesn't happen. I don't think so rarely. Yeah, yeah, and we talk about it loads in the upcoming interview um, about how that even came to be. Well, the song reached number nine on the official singles chart, which seems kind of like it should have done better. I thought it would have done better, if I'm honest. But I guess because it was one of those songs that climbed. It was a, a climber. It, even though it only reached number nine, it reached number nine on five separate occasions. So it like, really? kept bouncing back up. Um, so That's crazy. That's, pre- that's, that's okay. quite rare in itself. As yeah. Well. And she also has a new single out called You Mean the World to Me, which is currently growing on the chart. And it's, it is another corker, to be honest. Yeah. It's, and it was produced by Greg Kirsten, who has worked with so many people, but Adele being one of them. And the video, have you seen the music video for it? I've not seen the music video. I heard the track. I really like the track. So the music video features Macy Williams from Game of Thrones, which is another TV show I don't watch. <laughs> what? Do you, I can't believe you're out living your life. You're supposed to be watching TV. <laughs> but yeah, and it was directed or produced, I believe, by Lena Headey from Game of Thrones as well. Right, amazing. Uh, that's Freya a huge... Does have they're, the connections. they're big names. They're big yeah. names, from the, obviously, from the show, so yeah. that's a big deal. Anyway, we talk, about, we talk about the new single and her debut album and loads more in the interview, which I actually recorded at London's Tile Yard Studios in right. King's Cross, which is like a massive 
creative music hub. Have you been to it before? No, I've not been, no. It's like a it's like a mini village. Really? Or, a, or old industrial estate. And it's loads of recording studios, management, and all, basically anything to do with the music industry. There's like a little village of it there. A creative I've village. Never, I, I've never, yeah, I've never been before. And it was weird, but also really cool. <laughs> they had a really nice cafe. <laughs> I'd love to go. <laughs> you can take me sometime. Yeah. Anyway, should we have a listen? Yeah. Great. How are you? I'm really good. Yeah. Enjoying that Friday feeling. Yeah, it's Friday feeling, <laughs> although horrible weather outside. I know, it's so grim, but I did have a cheese tasty and tomato soup for lunch that made me feel very, very warm. That's so warming. <laughs> oh, cheese tasty. Yeah, like a triple cheese tasty, like three different kinds of cheese. <sighs> Melted inside. I'm, I'm all about the cheese. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so we're in Tile Yard Studios, yep. which is... Creative hub. Yeah, it's like, well, that's a better word than I was going to say. I was going to say one-stop shop mm. for everything, right? I mean, yeah, I've been how, do, how do you explain it? Yeah, I've been like 18, and it's just like, an, it's like a great sort of secret amalgamation of like creative industries in one place. Yeah. It has a cool cafe. So, I don't really come here a lot anymore. I used to come here like every day. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't realise that. So, working here for a long time. Well, we actually recorded Lost Without You in that room there, oh. and we recorded it on a really cheap mic with like no help. You can actually hear the dishwasher. I'm not sure if it's <laughs> in the tank that was used, but it's definitely on there somewhere. <laughs> it's always the way, right? Like the, the unexpected hit, I guess, in that sense. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Life must have changed a lot in since last summer, I'm guessing. I, yeah, it's one of those kind of like slow, like snowball kind of effects. It's never like one moment. It's always like a kind of gradual building of things. And like, you do have certain moments where you're like, this is weird. Like, how am I on the Late, late Show with James Gordon? I was just singing in my bedroom. This makes no sense. Um, but it just, it makes me so grateful for it. Yeah. Do you have moments to take it all in or have things just got so much busier now that you're like, yeah. think about it later? I feel like over Christmas, it definitely like I just took a bit of time to be quiet and at home because definitely when you're like traveling a lot and touring, it can get a bit kind of like whirlwindy, which I love because it's so exciting. And, you know, I'm working with a team of people that I love and I've been working with since day one. So, you know, we have a laugh on the way. But it's just nice to kind of stop sometimes and take it all in and just be like, this is really crazy. Yeah, I guess one thing to take in is, as I've just been showing outside, is it platinum discs? Yeah, the platinum disc arrived today. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. At school, we had an art project. And I don't know why I decided to, but I basically stole a load of my mum and dad vinyls. I super glued them to a piece of like wood board and painted it, put it on my wall and like pretended that they were mine because I was like an insane, lonely ginger child. <laughs> and basically it somehow come true. And I just, I literally danced around in the, like, the record label meeting because I just couldn't contain myself. That is crazy. Because it's, it's one of those like, things that happens, like these things happen in like films, like they don't happen in real life. But isn't it like um, Oprah, she, didn't she write, <laughs> it's just like Oprah. I love Oprah. Didn't she write a check? To herself. Yeah. Like, did you read about this? People always like Jim Carrey and stuff. They yeah. always do the visualization thing. Wrote right, a check for like two hundred and fifty million dollars or something on her wall. Go big, right? And she was yeah. Love Oprah. <laughs> yeah. She did go big, and then she got big. And then she could so, probably go home as well. Kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. I'm huge, like a huge believer in like visualizations. Yeah. I, I used to think it was absolute bollocks, <laughs> and then one of my mom's <laughs> friends was training to be like a life coach, and I was at like, quite like a like a dark place, and I was like, I'm just. A, I feel like I'm just going to sort of give up music for a little bit, maybe try something else. Because I've been, I've been writing and singing consistently since I was 11. Right. And like open mic nights, gigging like every night around London on my own. 
so I was really tired and um, I said I'm just gonna you know have a little break and then this sort of I don't know week-long break or whatever I gave myself I did these visualizations with my mom's friend and I'm not even joking they all came true and I didn't even like believe it was gonna happen I thought none of it was gonna happen I guess a really known widely reported part of your story is the Love Island moment yeah um, were you even were you a fan of Love Island before interesting question so I, I hadn't been but I had just recently got into there was a few series on Netflix and I was traveling a lot and I it's downloaded one. Yeah, it was the series where everyone got into it like about two years ago, three yeah. years ago. It was like two or three years ago one. And basically I downloaded the whole thing and obsessively like binged watch it. So I was like about a series or two behind. But I was also keeping an eye on what was going on in the one that was happening currently. But it's hard because you can't watch it live because you're on planes and stuff. Yeah, so it kind of takes you out there. But I knew what was happening. I was watching like YouTube clips just to keep in with like what people, what my friends were like saying because it's such an interactive thing and people get so like emotionally invested in these people's lives yeah. and I love that. Like relationships are my favourite thing ever. It literally, I got so emotional by the end of it. Like people's like real emotions and real feelings and I know like yeah. it's like heightened reality but at the same time like we've all been there. Like, yeah. you know, we all, we all cry over the same guys and like, you know, I absolutely yeah. love it. And it was such an honour to be part of it without ever realising that it would play such a big part of my journey yeah. as a, you know, singer. And I guess now there's new music. Yeah, soon. we're in the final stages of finishing the debut album. It's, it's just insane because I wrote, I started all of these songs on my own. Most of like, well, I wrote all of them on, not all of them on my own, but I wrote all of them. Um, and it's one of those crazy things just when you're writing on your own and you can imagine like the different instruments, like string quartets and like gospel choirs, and then they like they come true. And I'm like, I mean, who gets this? Like, this is just crazy. So I was just trying to enjoy the journey of it. But now it's kind of getting closer to release, so I'm like, I just really excited to share it with people. I was gonna say, are you excited or are you just like, oh, people actually are gonna hear this now? Uh. I think because I played Lost Without You at Open Mic Nights around London for like quite a few years before I even sort of brave enough to release it. I think it's like it's been a huge reward in terms of like I feel like I can sort of believe in the sort of stripped back sort of emotional songs that I love listening to and I love writing and it's like I'm not ashamed that they're not you know perceived as cool because it's kind of for some weird reason has come full circle and yeah. now it's like seen as sort of brave <laughs> but at the time I was just like that's all it's who I was authentically on yeah. my own with no one watching and so it feels really special. And like you say open mic nights and stuff like Season singer, then that's those are tough games. <clears throat> with, Super tough. <laughs> yeah, when people don't really know who you are or what's. Well, no one cares. Um, but no I, one cares. I, I almost love that. Like, you have to win around a room full of like drunk people on like a Friday night, and you're like, come on, let's do this. And it kind of like it gives you this sort of strange kind of biofeedback, like energy in the room. You can really feel the room. And also, it means that you have so much more appreciation when people now come to see your songs. Because people would always be like, play covers, play covers. And I'd like stick in like Lost Night, you'd be like, sorry. And they'd be like, it's all right, just get back to playing Born to be Wild. And I'd be like, okay. <laughs> oh, so like, just to, especially when people send me videos of like, you know, them playing, like young girls playing my song at Open Mic Nights, it literally makes me emotional. Because I'm like, that was me. Oh my God. As you mentioned, you've written, you've been writing songs for ages. Yeah. Is, do you feel any kind of pressure to, to live up to the song? Because a song like This Doesn't Come Around, very often no. in, gen in the general like music world that a song that connects so well so do you do you even try and repeat that success or I think that that song came from a time where I really honestly didn't care what anyone else thought and it's so easy to get sucked into that now when people are being so positive but it's like that thing of like you just have to remember that who you are on your own in the silence it's, it doesn't matter if you know 
people are saying they love you or they hate you, you are still who you are. And it's just being authentic to that. It's hopefully, like, that's the thing that grounds me, is just coming home to my front room. No matter where I've been or what I've done, like, I'm doing the washing up, I'm cooking with my mum, and I'm sitting in my front room at the same piano I wrote all the songs on. And it just grounds me. And remem- I remember how it was in the old days. Ah, same way. I mean, you mentioned your parents. They were quite musical, weren't they? Yeah, so my dad plays guitar and writes his own songs, just yeah. for love, because he's like an actor. He's a, well, actor, voiceover artist, but he loves music. And we had like, you know, lots of instruments around when I was growing up, and I was so stubborn. I was like, I'm not going to play any of them, because I didn't want to make him happy. I was like, no! <laughs> Such a stubborn little ginger pony. <sighs> That's interesting that you were kind of rebelling against. Yeah, I literally thought I would, I'd taken a really long time to start playing an instrument because I was like nine. Because I remember cutting out a cardboard cutout of a violin and pretending to play it until they bought me a violin. And then I decided you can't sing with a violin, so I stopped playing it. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Apparently you can, like in a country way, like on your sort of... Oh, like a fiddle. Yeah, like a fiddle, but I didn't know that. Or I would have probably done that. Something, something <laughs> to learn in the future. But for me, like piano is like, they all have their own personalities and I just, they're my favourite instrument by far. On the new music. <laughs> well, we've shot the official music video for the next single, okay. which is called You Mean the World to Me. It's a song I wrote right. about my mum yeah. when she wasn't very well. Never Again, never thinking anyone would hear it. It's always the ones you think people aren't going to hear. Really weird. Um, but we shot the music video with the Game of Thrones girls, like Maisie Williams and Nina Heavy. And it was an incredible experience. We shot it at like this sort of like falling down mansion in like, it was like it's in the forest in Essex. It's really random. Sounds cold. It was absolutely freezing. <laughs> I'm not joking, it was like minus five and I was in like a sheer dress outside, just like, oh, I'm gonna die. <laughs> so worth it. Are we ready to play Take the Hit? I'm so ready. I love this little like bingo set you have. Do you take this everywhere with you? Like on the tube? I take it, I've, I've taken time to it. <laughs> it comes everywhere with me now. I really like it. Um, so the, the, the game is bingo, obviously. And the numbers that come out relate to the biggest selling singles of all time. This is so fun. Um, and I'll ask you a question based on that song. Cool. That's cool? Yeah. Ready to go? Yeah. Right, let's try and work this out. 84. 84. So the 84th biggest selling single of all time in the UK is Jesse J, price tag. Is it? B-B-O-B. Stunning. Number one in 2011. It was. Oh, I love that song. I just feel like it, she really like tapped into that feeling that we all had in that sort of, in the zeitgeist at that moment yeah. of like, there's got to be something more important than how much things cost. So my question, based yeah. on that, is a good starter one actually. Uh-huh. Um, what is the most expensive thing you bought? <gasps> I'm going to go within the last year. Within the last year? See, this is the thing, like, I'm always like, ooh, like, basically I spend all my money on like, makeup and skincare and like sheet masks. So individually they're not that much. A very pricey hobby. <laughs> it is actually more than you'd think. It's one of those things where, like, I don't know, I have, like, a mental block to buying things that are bigger than that, but I do, like, what was it? It's probably, like, some kind of moisturiser. God, I'm so sad. Have you ever thought about how much you've spent on... Oh, I don't want to know. I literally... (laughs) Oh, my God, it's probably... It's probably that or Ubers. I, like, have a problem. I think my biggest purchase one day, hopefully, will be a flat. But that's my goal in life, and it's not a guarantee, so I'm just gonna... Especially in London. I mean, maybe I could, like, buy somewhere and, like, you know... Swindon. Who knows? Should we go again? Yeah. I think I fixed it. So if you turn around this, the other wall. Wow! Yes! Buy it out. Powerball. 50. Ah, the 50th biggest selling single is Shaggy. It wasn't me. <gasps> it wasn't me. Number one in 2001. I know, I remember. Ah, 
It was everywhere. It was and like that summer, it was boiling, and that Shaggy just was like on repeat on like everyone's yeah. radio. Just one of those songs that gets into your head and you can't get it out of your head. Like, even when you said it now, I'm thinking of like the whole melody. It's like, it doesn't leave your brain for like an hour after yeah. you can think about it. It's like who came up with this. It's genius. Okay. Yeah. Um, what were they doing on the bathroom floor again? Kitchen. Oh. Oh, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> It. <laughs> it had to be. It had to be like changed for radio. It did, like, didn't it? It was, was like, like begging on the bathroom floor. I was crying. Crying, and he was crying. Some kind of sad. Yeah, begging. Maybe it was something like slightly unintelligible. Like they'd kind of yeah. fudged the words. I, right lo- I love a fudged swear word on the radio. <laughs> yeah. So the, my question is, have you ever done something bad that you blamed on somebody else? Oh, well, I have a younger brother. He's seven years younger than me, so we're so close, but at the same time, definitely that age gap definitely is an advantage to me, and I still feel bad about some of the things that I did, but at the same time, he's cheeky as well, and he would get away with loads of stuff. But he's like, I remember my mum being like, just be careful, because one day he's going to be bigger than you, and he now can pick me up like a baby, and he's 17. My oven exploded like the oven door because I left it on, and I said it was him. <laughs> oh, that's bad. <laughs> I know. You broke, was it the family oven? Yeah. That's... The glass just shattered, and I was like, oh my god, I left the oven on. That was so bad. That's what a pain. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's because he left the pizza in, I think, it might not be him. It was definitely my sweet potatoes, cancer. Um, were you generally well behaved at kind of school and yes. home? I really like was very very shy at school but I feel like at home it was where I kind of like let loose a bit and I was a bit more like mad and kind of I was just a really mad toddler I feel like toddlers in general are but red-headed toddlers are like another level for some reason I just just like run out into the street like Wah! like for no reason I still think about it like what was I doing <laughs> <laughs> and how did you come out of that shyness because personally I was I remember being quite shy at school and I remember Crippling. being quite like, I've got to do something about this. Yeah. I felt like, yeah, the first time I sang at like, a school show was the first time I was ever myself at school. And that was a huge thing to me. I was like, wow, this is the only like way I feel like I can be my truest self at school. Um, and so it was definitely a huge part of it. But I definitely had to like learn to kind of be confident because I really wasn't in terms of at home. I was totally myself and free. And then in school, I remember my mum being like, you know, you just have to like just stand tall and like you know say hi to people I'm like no I can't do it I'm so shy I can't do it it's just I think it's a normal thing at that age but it's just something I read a lot of books on sort of like you know things you can do like the Wonder Woman pose and stuff were your but parents I, like when I they went so... to parents evening were they like are you talking about our child <laughs> <laughs> they think they knew like... they think they knew I kind of like went into my shell a bit at school um, but I would kind of do like sort of rebellious things it was just kind of hard when they're like my parents were like so supportive that I just had to rebel in sort of different ways because like I'd be like oh I'm just like going down the canal to drink some cider they were like we've got a couple of bottles I'm like we'll bring a blanket and I'm like oh my god like can you please like but at the same time like I look back and I'm like I never really got in with like my peer like I was never really led by what my peers thought I was more led by what my family thought of me so that's still true I actually <laughs> it just reminded me I read and again this is probably widely known what is it but I read that your dad is the Peppa Pig yeah, uh, Daddy Pig. The voice of Daddy Pig. Daddy Pig. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what an amazing like sort of dinner party story to be able to tell everyone. It's really By cool. By the way, I am Daddy Pig. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really tell people. It's like when you kind of go around the supermarket, you'll just see little people like they can hear it, they don't know where it's coming from, and they're like, "Where is it coming from? Where is it coming from?" And most of the time, like it's so funny at like, parties, like sort of cues form of like mums being like, 
can I get a voice message? And it's just oh. so sweet, just that. It's like he has a superpower, he can make little people really happy. Did he have any idea what he was getting himself into when he did this? No. Like, how did he? We know the family who like, created it, and right. they were just a lovely, really creative family, and they just came up with this brilliant idea, and it was such a small niche thing for such a long time. I remember he came home when I was like 12 and was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. He does loads of weird, like, you know, he was like, I don't know, a tortoise or something in this, like, video game. It was big. I don't know. <laughs> but it's just weird things where he comes home and he's like, oh, there's a pig. I'm talking about pigs and a dinosaur. And I was like, that sounds like it's never going to take off. <laughs> and then, like, this massive thing. I'm like, I was wrong. Should we go? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Again. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. Twenty-two. Hey, what's up? Twenty. Oh yeah. <laughs> Imagine if it was. That'll be good. <laughs> so twenty-second biggest-selling single is Mark Ronson feat Bruno Mars Uptown Funk. Stunning. Already the twenty-second biggest-selling single. I love That's it. Crazy. Number one in twenty fourteen. It was in twenty fourteen. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? The fact that that's five years ago actually hurts my brain a bit. Yeah, I remember he he said in quite a few interviews that he spent so he drove himself crazy making that song. Yeah, like he just made like, so many different versions. But he was right. Yeah, it was the kind of track that needs that. Yeah, there's so many different elements, yeah. and it's so. Have you ever had to? Have you ever gone back and forth on a track? Yeah. Just going, I can't get this right. We literally recorded one of the songs we are, and I think like seven different, seven different people. It was actually like a literal nightmare. But it's one of those things that it's like, it's crazy because I have this like bedroom demo that's like, seems to be better than them all. And we were trying to work out what it was. And I think it was the fact that like, I was just kind of like on my own. And it was like no pressure. There's like a bus in the background. And so we kind of managed to recreate that somehow. And it was like, kind of got it back. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because I, I never played to a click. It's funny that. Right. Oh, do you not? No. Do most people then play to like something that kind of keeps them on? Yeah, most people in pop have a click. Right. But with me, it's like, for some reason, because I the songs I've written not to a click, suddenly they lose some part of their soul when you put them to tempo. Right. But the songs that are written with like a drum beat on them are absolutely fine. Yeah. But it's like, it's funny how to get a ballad into that kind of like pop sphere. It's kind of, it's a difficult jump. Um, my question based on that, I just realised I had to actually ask the question. Yeah. <laughs> Was, um, what is your idea of a great night out? I love this idea a great night out see this is the thing I don't have many anymore <laughs> because like I don't drink when I'm on tour and I don't drink when I'm working and I would kind of do that a lot which is amazing and I really enjoy not drinking but I do love like you know catching up with old friends and like you know going out it's Friday night isn't it it is I'm so boring I don't even have any is there ever a temptation to or is there kind of the prospect of having to perform going it's, every, it's everything and I've done it before, I've done it before and I regret like 
it's just one of those things that I just can't, I know how many people are relying on me and I just don't want to let anyone down. So I'm just completely like very, very health conscious. But when I have like, I don't know, like over Christmas, like yeah. my birthday or something, I'll be just like a bit more crazy. But a perfect night out. I would say that I really like house parties and like doing stuff at home. I feel like my favorite parties were we did like a sort of a ping pong party in my garden for my 21st birthday. It was my favorite. And I would like cook the meal for like, everyone I love and like just like. Wait, you cook? Yeah, yeah. What birthday girl cooking? I legit cooked for like so many people. And there's there's a few vegan people that I didn't know were coming and I had to do redo the whole dish and I'm like, it's all good, it's all good. (laughs) But I love it so much because like you can just dance or like oh just be crazy and wild. And it's like with my family as well, like I never drink around my family, so when we're all together, like having like a lull in the kitchen, like that's just my favourite thing in the world. It's it's strange when you have those moments with the family. It's in a good way, isn't it? Because it's like, oh we never do this. Yeah, we never just like, you know, (laughs) Like, turn off all the lights in the kitchen and, like, we have, like, candles outside. It's just really nice. Um, should we go again? Yeah. Can I do it again? That is John Legend, All of Me. I love that song so much. Literally, I love that song so much. Really? I just feel like it's a beautiful example of how, like, you know how much he loves his wife and you love the fact I love love songs that are balanced and they're not just about someone saving someone else, they're about two people saving each other. That makes oh, me so yeah. happy. Yeah, it's also kind of... It's, Gives me hope. It's, yeah, it, it, you're right, it does, but it also feels really simple in a good way and I'm sure it's not at all. Oh yeah, writing simple ballads is like the hardest really thing ever. Hard. Yeah. So like, I have so much respect for people like John Legend, you're like, oh my god, I know how much time that went into that. Mm. And how It wasn't a number one, <gasps> despite being a huge seller. It got to number two oh, in 2014. Sad. But in your head, you'd still think it was a number one for some weird reason. Yeah, I can give it to him. Yeah. Um, my question is, what is the most personal song you've written to date? I would say it's Lost Without You, but I know it's not, because the next song, that's, the next single that's coming out, You Mean Well to Me, um, is funny. Out of the two songs when I wrote them, there was a long period of time where I couldn't literally get through the song without crying. It was so sad, and I don't really cry. So this is the weirdest part. So it's like, if I'm writing a song and it makes me want to cry, I'm like, this is something, like I've hit some sort of random nerve yeah. in my brain. And I don't know, it's like every time I thought about my mom and the fact that she wasn't well, like still to this day, I get super emotional singing it. And it's like, with Lost Without You, you've kind of got to a stage where I'm, you know, sometimes I get to that place, but it happened so much more with You Mean the World to me. So, uh, especially with like the music video now, it adds another level of like emotion that I'm like, oh. See, if you're not a crier, no. then when you do cry, you just it means more. go, or do you just, yeah. does it just overflow and it's you can't well stop? It's hard, because sometimes, like, I mean, because I play a lot more now, it happens a lot less, but at the same time, like, when I didn't used to play that many gigs, and it was, like, like a big kind of moment, I used to just be, like, I just get to the end of the song, like, there's, there's, there's like, a single tear, and then there's, like, ugly crying, and you yeah. just, like, you want to stay with that single tear, because, like, on stage, people are like, oh, damn, and you're like, oh, <laughs> She's gone. There's like a fine line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the single tear is very like classy. Yeah, I love a single tear, but you can't always hard to contain pull off. it. Yeah, hard to pull <laughs> that's off. the problem. You're like, I'm really sad. <laughs> kind of tips over the edge. But like, that's the job like, I love. It's like you can always find a way to get back to that place, like, you know, no matter what you're going through. Yeah. There's always a reason. And I guess maybe it's that song. I was going to ask, have you also written a song? That you're just like, that is too personal to put out into the world. You mean the world to me, legitimately. Yeah, I'll spit you up. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. 
100% I was like not going to share that with anyone. And then do people say... It kind of forced yeah. me. I did it kind of like at my friend's open mic night and like I got this weird reaction. I was like, oh my God, everyone hated it. That was terrible. I'm never playing it again. All good. And then I just turned, like I sort of realised that like we were just all crying but like in silence and I was like, oh my God, I'm definitely not showing anyone this but it slowly just became like the song that people would come up to me after shows and I would just cry because they'd tell me stories about like their mum and I'm just like... Yeah, do you have... Do you have to? Are you finding yourself having to take on people's emotional baggage slightly? Yeah, hugely. Which like, is a big way, actually. Like some pop stars and some singers say, like, I struggle sometimes with the meet and greets because yeah. people pour everything out to you. And yeah. You kind of take it on. I just it's hugely humbling that people have opened their lives and their hearts to someone just because of you know one song. And it's like, yeah. especially like it's a hugely vulnerable place to be. And I just I take that with such an immense amount of like, I can take that responsibility extremely seriously. But it's one of those things that you suddenly, you see people you haven't seen in a while, people you know, and they're like, it's almost like you've been in their lives, but you haven't been there. Yeah. So to them, you're like, just the conversation is continuing, but to you, it's like, wow, that's, I haven't heard all that dark, sad, sad stuff that's happened to you. I'm so sorry. Like, yeah. it's just one of those things that, it's a, it is a weight, but it's more of an honour. Yeah. And you said, you've said that you, your kind of forte, I suppose, is like the sadder songs. I can. I don't know why. Like yeah, I think that's yeah, why I feel to be like kind of happier in my life. Is to Do you get upset it, it with being like upbeat and? Like, I know I have a melancholic side. I know. Like, I feel like everyone does, and that's the thing that sad songs really unite us in. We're like, oh my god, I'm not the only one to feel this way. Yeah. Because it's not a common thing that people go around saying. But for some reason, the songs are the one place where people are like, we all feel like this. It's fine. You know, <laughs> yeah. like when Adele sang "Someone Like You" at the Brits, and we were all there. It was the most bizarre thing. Like, people that I've never seen cry were, like, crying. And we were all just like, what just happened? The room just became, like, it was the O2 Arena, which just became, like, a, a tiny room. Yeah, that's but hard moments, to do. Moments like that are, like, they transform you. Yeah, definitely. Should we go again? Yeah. I, there is actually, I had another one down. Come on. Come on, Lily. What is that? 45. 45. So the 45th biggest selling single is... Daft Punk, Feet, Pharrell Williams, Get Lucky. You know what, that came on the radio this morning and I actually had a little bit of a moment. I yeah. love this song because so it, much. Because it got like so overplayed at the time. Yeah. It kind of burnt into everyone's brain. Burnt it a bit. But when you have a break from it, my God, isn't it good when you hear it again? I freaking love what it. What a great song. Sorry. It's one of those songs that I was waiting to get sick of and I was like, I'm going to get sick of it. I know it's coming. And it never really happened. And I know what you mean. I could feel everyone else around me being like, I think there was a point where I did have to stop listening to it for like maybe like a year. Based on that song. What's it gonna be, Rob? <laughs> yeah, what do you think? What's gonna be? be? <laughs> um, well, I want to talk to you about your lucky break. Mm. Now, it may be the Love Island thing. I was gonna ask you, do you think that is it? Because obviously it wasn't an overnight thing, despite no. it being perceived to be an overnight thing for some people because like your song just randomly featured. Well, you know when people say like it takes 10 years to be an overnight Yes. That, that literally happened. Yeah. Would you consider that a lucky break moment for you? or just like, I find that, like, it's definitely like a catalyst and a moment yeah. that I will always be so grateful for because, like, you don't get many of those those moments where everything kind of comes together after so many things not coming together after, so, like, so many years. It's just, yeah. you appreciate them a lot more. But at the same time, there are so many of those little lightning bolt moments that have, like, led up to this. Yeah. So it's, like, I'm incredibly grateful for it and I know what it's like to not have it, so... I am grateful, but it's like, there are just, there's so many moments. Yeah, I mean... That people might not know, and yeah. have seen. Was was the story that your friend sent in three tracks to the producers? 
Is that the right story? Well, it was actually um, a friend, well, yeah. He was like the, one of the very uncool, like me, people at Brit School who actually used to get their homework in on time, somehow. Um, he was <laughs> interning actually at this indie record label and it's his first day as an intern and they were doing an A&R meeting and they were like, do you have anyone? And he was like, I have a mate I went to school with. And that's literally it. Wow, but my after God. Three, after three years of like being in the wilderness after school, being like, this is like the darkest years of my life. Because everyone went to uni and was like, I know what I want. And I was like, I know what I want, but it's like really hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my God. It was definitely a huge risk and a huge gamble. Yeah. Oh, my God. Does that make you think what could have happened if that hadn't that conversation hadn't taken place? But it was so funny because they asked me the next day we went for a coffee with um, Charlie Moss, who's incredible A&R. And um, I, I, was, I was so nervous and I'd had meetings like this before and I was like, I just I don't want to mess it up. Yeah. And I was just like, the problem with these meetings is they never let me play. I was like, I just, they always want you to play like a, a recorded version and I'm terrible at recording things. So I was like, if you just have a piano and I heard they had Tom Waits' piano and I was like, okay, can I play you one song? And then I promise I'll go. And he was like, okay, like, cool. And I came upstairs and I played Lost Without You and was like, can I, can I stay? <laughs> and they were like, We'll give you a chance, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, that's so. Funny. And it's just one of those moments that, like, today with the like the discs arriving, you have to pitch yourself because I remember that moment so oh clearly. Oh my god! Yeah. And I literally, I felt my heart pounding my chest. I was so nervous because I was never that confident person to be like, "I've got a song." I was like, "I don't really have any songs." Yeah. Maybe this one. I was like, "Maybe I don't know." But at the time, it was like to not have drums, to not have I don't know backing right, dancers, yeah, exactly. to not have auto tune. Like all of these things were not cool. Yeah, exactly. I was definitely like a zebra in a horse race. Well, I wanted to ask about that because it just goes to show that sort of labels and people just constantly sort of think, this is what we should do right now because that's what's doing well. No one would sign anyone like me at that time. No yeah. one. Which is why I have so much respect for the you know small team of hardworking people who took a gamble on me when it wasn't the thing to do. And it really helps when it really like stood out on radio or, yeah. I mean, it was getting played everywhere eventually. <laughs> but it still really stood out because you were like, there aren't really songs out like this. No. At the moment, it's all just not not all the same, but it's there just isn't songs like that. Yeah. That are so stripped back. I just I see a lot of people trying to do you know what you do when you're young, which is try and do you know you emulate other people. But there's this thing which is what you would do on a desert island when no one could hear you. That's the probably the thing you should be doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned brick school. Yeah. Um, what is that like? Because to me, it's like fame, and everyone's kind of dancing in the corridors. No. No. There was one day when people danced on the table. One day. And that was the musical theatre people. <laughs> that was the musical theatre people and I loved them to bits. No. And because I was brought up around actors, I sort of got on with the actors and musical theatre people a lot more. I felt like they had this camaraderie and this kind of like, they're quite like passionate. And there was something about like my year in like the music students. They were just very, very like shut down and cool and, and icy. And I was like, oh, I'm not one of you. <laughs> and I used to be like, do you guys want to write? And they were like, no. Um, so it's one of those things that I spent a long time like, oh, I find my tribe there, and I had to go there and like to not find it again was like such heartbreak. And I, it actually was the catalyst for me to be like, I'm gonna freaking transform my life because yeah. if this doesn't, nothing's gonna make me. Do we have time for one more? Look at oh, look at it, number three. Number three. <laughs> number three. <laughs> Third best-selling single of all time. I need to oh, what is it? It is Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. I love Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a bit of a bonkers song, to yeah. say the least. Number one twice. Yeah. In nineteen seventy five and nineteen ninety one, I think. Yeah. Um, I love it. My question based off it was, is there a really bonkers song that you've written 
that you haven't kind of you're not putting out or you've just made ones and went what the hell is that (laughs) actually there's a song that is actually going to be the first song on the album and it's quite like gothic and intense and I remember writing it being like this is way too like out there it's not cool like it's like it's a bit it's got some sort of like vampire imagery in it because it's like really sort of like gothic-y and like quirky and not not what I thought a pop single would ever be but I just wrote it being like I just really like this kind of like music with this sort of like Celtic sort of inspired but basically <laughs> in my head there were drums but I didn't have a drummer so on the piano I just go do 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 like a drum and it's really sad but at the same time now it's t- now I actually get to play it on stage with like this incredible drummer and like a whole band that like, comes to life and I feel like at the time of writing it I was really like embarrassed and being like it's just this weird like gothic kind of it doesn't really have a normal pop structure right it's a bit creepy but I love playing it so it's on the album <laughs> it's gonna be the first it's gonna open the album oh nice <laughs> oh my god I can't wait I'm really <laughs> it's got like all these strings on it now oh my god I'm, I can't oh wait. nice um thank you so much thank you so much for thank you for well. playing take the hit I love this like game I need to get it at home <laughs> So that was Freya Ridings. David, what did you make of her? Oh, again, another. You've got we've got some lovely guests so far. I know there's only do, two, but we? yeah, just like the nice, nice, humble yeah. singer songwriters. I loved the bit she said on visualizing her success because she was saying how she yeah. was performing in bars to people who weren't listening, which is really must be so, soul destroying. I feel awkward when I see that happening, so I can't yeah. imagine how they feel when it's going on. <laughs> But she also was quite confident. Like she didn't seem phased. Like she said, it was a challenge. Yeah, which is such a great mindset. I'm not sure I'd have the confidence <laughs> to have that mindset. Well, maybe, maybe try it. Like, like you well, were saying, I'm, I am going to try visualizing something. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> something big is happening. Okay. This podcast. Okay. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, was there any bits you took away from it at all? I look. It's it's amazing when like someone she's done so well and like the part where she was saying that she'd stolen some of her family's uh, vinyl, sprayed them and put them up on the wall oh, yeah. as like platinum. But And then she's obviously now received the platinum, <laughs> yeah. um, the BPI Brits um, award. So that like ties in amazing. It's so, like she said, it's like things you think about when you're younger that never happen. Yeah. But it's actually happening to her. So that, that I'm, oh, yeah, I'm obviously really pleased for her. a bit jealous. I'd love to be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd say it was, it was like a strange moment. She seemed quite overwhelmed. Like if it wasn't made clear in the interview, we were sitting basically amongst her platinum disc award, which was, <laughs> which would kind of get handed out to people in the industry as a thank you for yeah. working on the project. And yeah, we were literally sitting in a sea of these platinum discs for this song, which was just <laughs> so weird, but very cool. And her dad's the voice of Peppa Pig's dad. Yes. Which is insane. <laughs> so, such a great like dinner party conversation you could have that i wouldn't even have a mu- i wouldn't bother with a music career not that yeah. she shouldn't but like that's the, that's a claim to fame there like Dine out on that for life. yeah um, thank you again dave for joining us thank you this rob week and thank you to freya writings and remember you can check out all the latest music news singles and albums charts and the biggest selling singles of all time chart on officialcharts.com and follow us on all major social media platforms at official charts see you again soon 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.